Thanks for tuning in and making Res Life a part of your day. Whether this is your first time listening or this is a part of your weekly rhythm, we are glad you're here. If you'd like to connect more throughout the week, check us out at reslife.org, download our app, or follow us on social media. It's time for today's message, so let's dive in. So, so we're in a series of messages we're just calling Going Deeper. In uh, Psalm 42, it says, Deep Calls to Deep. And it's talking about the deep of God calling to the deep in you. It's in the epistles that the Bible says, draw near to God and he will draw near to you. And I think all of us know we're supposed to grow in our relationship with God. And in Romans chapter one, the apostle Paul talks, gives us literally four steps that people take to keep on going farther away from God. Right? And literally, you can take those four steps and put them in reverse, and it's, you're going to go deeper. You're going to be drawing closer to God. So Romans chapter 1, verse 21 says, Although they knew God, they did not glorify Him as God. Now, we talked about what it really means to be glorifying Him as God, and it, it really means to esteem, to prize, to value, to reverence. And the way that, that we, more than anything else today, glorify God is when we esteem his word above everything else. Uh, God said, you know, I've magnified my word above all my name. God says, if I don't keep my word, I'm not even God. It's above my name. So the psalmist said, he said, I consider your precepts, your word, concerning all things to be right and I hate every false way. He's saying, God, you're right when you talk to me about marriage. You're right when you talk about forgiveness. You're right when you talk about how to raise your children. You're right when you talk about money. Whatever the subject is, the psalmist said, God, you are right. right? That's how we glorify God, right? by, by esteeming his word, valuing his word, putting the kingdom of God first. Jesus said, but seek first the kingdom of God. So first of all, they don't glorify him as God. Neither are they thankful. That's what we're going to be talking about today. Then they become vain in their imagination. Their, their imaginations go wild, right? And their foolish hearts are darkened. So we take those four steps in reverse. Number one, we glorify God. Number two, we're thankful. Number three, we recognize the power of our imagination or meditation. Recognize the power of meditation. And then fourthly, have a good heart. Now again, Jesus said, either make the tree good and then its fruit will be good or else make the tree bad and its fruit will be bad. Now Jesus is talking about your heart, right? And he says, you can make it good or you can make it bad. So we'll be talking um, later on in this series about how do you make your heart good. But today, we're talking about thankfulness. 1 Thessalonians 5, verse 16. Rejoice always, pray without ceasing, in everything give thanks. For this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you or concerning you. Uh, yesterday, Jeannie was on the phone and uh, she had it on speaker. So I wasn't like eavesdropping. I was just there and... And uh, 
there, there was this conversation going on, and Jeannie's talking about forgiving, and the, the person says, yeah, but I've done it for years, and it doesn't work. Right? Now, listen, if you're doing what God said, it worked. Right? It doesn't matter how the other person responds. Right? Jesus said, every time you pray, if you have anything against anyone, forgive. So when you forgive, it doesn't matter what their behavior is, right? You did what God told you to do. You did the right thing. It's working. Now, the same thing is true when it comes to giving thanks, right? When you do what God says, this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you, to give thanks, right? Now, there's so many things that we can talk about when it comes to thanks, Uh I got saved when I was 20. I'm 69, so 19 years ago. Right? I, oh, excuse me. Where'd my math go? 49 years ago. Man, 49 years ago. Man, I never thought I'd say that. You know, here's a scoop. I'm going to tell you how this works, okay? Uh, when, you're, when you're in ministry and you're young, right, till you're about 30, you can say and do about anything. And they just figured, you don't know better. You're just young and ignorant, right? And then once you get to be 65, you can say and do anything again. And they just figure, well, you're just old. They don't know better. <laughs> so I got to that spot where you can just pretty much do what you want, <laughs> which is a good thing. You should take that out of the message, all right? <laughs> all right. So... 49 years ago, I just get saved. One of the first books that I was given was a book on Thanksgiving. And here's what this book said. It had a lot of good things in it. But the book said, now, if you get a divorce, thank God for your divorce. If you have cancer, thank God for the cancer. Now, the Bible doesn't say to thank God for everything. It says in everything. See, God is not the author of divorce, and God is not the author of cancer, right? But no matter what's happened, let's say, but I was diagnosed with cancer. Well, the worst thing that could happen is you die and go to heaven. That's the worst that could happen. I mean, no, that's good. I can thank God that no matter how bad it gets, I'm going to heaven. Right? But I can also thank God that he said that he himself bore my sicknesses carried my diseases, and by his stripes, healing was purchased for me. Right? So, so in, in no matter what the situation is, I can be thankful. Not for the situation, because not every situation has, it was God the author of that situation. But no matter what's going on, the Bible says in everything, I need to give thanks. That's God's will for me. Now, literally what happens when we have a thankful heart, right, it softens our heart and it turns our heart towards God. The psalmist said this in Psalm 69. He said, I will praise the name of God with a song and I will magnify him with thanksgiving. I will magnify him with thanksgiving. If I have a magnifying glass and look at something, the object does not change, but what I see changes. I see more detail. I see the greatness of that thing that I'm looking at, right? And the same thing is true with God. 
when you're, when, when you're thankful, it does not make God bigger. It doesn't make God greater. It doesn't make God more loving. But you see his love. You see his goodness. You see his greatness when we're thankful. And, and I really believe, you know, we have a day we call Thanksgiving Day. But for a Christian, every day should be Thanksgiving Day. And somebody says, yeah, but I just don't really feel like it. That's why it's called Thanksgiving, not Thanksfeeling. It doesn't matter if you don't feel like it. The Bible literally says to give him the sacrifice of praise, the fruit of our lips giving thanks to his name. It's the sacrifice of praise when you don't feel like it. When there's a lot of things that may be going on around you that are not what you're after, but yet you thank God that you belong to him, that you're forgiven, that you're a part of his kingdom, that you're on your way to heaven, that you're under, you're covered with the blood. You begin to thank him. Things begin to happen. And, and I think this is particularly true. We so often don't look at the great things that God has done for us. In Psalms 116, the psalmist is in some sort of turmoil. Things are bad. And this is what he says. He's talking to himself. And he says, return to your rest, O my soul, for the Lord has dealt bountifully with you. He says, soul, you're looking at the wrong stuff. Right? He says, you need to look at what God has done for you. And he begins by saying, you've delivered my soul from death. And assuming that it's correct that David wrote this psalm, there was a period of about 10 years where King Saul sought to kill David every day. But God delivered him. He says, my eyes from tears. Uh, if you've read the story, David had a lot of really bad things happen in his life and in his family. Right? And there was times when he was literally broken, and he said, but God, you've delivered my eyes from tears. You've healed my heart. You kept my feet from falling. How many of you know he messed up really bad? Right? Commits adultery with his neighbor's wife, has his neighbor put in the front of a battlefront and retreated so that he's killed. And he said, my feet from falling. Yeah, he did. In fact, David wrote later, and he said, God, he says, you know, you've taken me. You've put my feet on a solid rock and put me in a large place. He had blown it bad. He says, and my feet from falling. He looks at the things that God had done in the past in order to tell his soul, his mind, look, you don't need to consider what the worst case scenario is going to be because God has taken care of you in the past. And God has gotten you through every mess you've ever been in the past. And God's going to get you through the mess that you're in right now. But what we need to do is look at and be thankful for all the things that God has already done in our lives. In Psalm 78, it says how they provoked him in the wilderness. They, the children of Israel, provoked God and grieved him in the desert. Yes, again and again, they tempted God and they limited the Holy One of Israel. Uh, there's some people that, that believe, well, God's just going to do whatever he wants to do, and it doesn't matter what you do. Well, that's obviously not true. The Bible says here that they limited God. 
God wanted to do things for them that he did not do, right? And here was why. Because they did not remember his power. The day when he redeemed, delivered them from the enemy, when he worked his signs in Egypt and his wonders in the fields of Zoran, he's talking about how he delivered them out of Egypt, but they forgot every good thing that God had done for them. Instead of being thankful, they forget. And how many of you realize that we are living in a very ungrateful society? Google actually measures the word usage, which words are used and which words are not words. I thought it was very interesting. I, I just read yesterday that in the last two decades, they have found that there is a 49% decrease in the word gratitude. And you say, why is that? Because we're not grateful. We're just not a grateful people anymore. In 2 Timothy chapter 3, it says, but know this. In the last days, perilous times will come. Well, men will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy. Unthankful, unholy. I think it's interesting that unthankful is right next to unholy. Because I'm going to tell you, and we're going to show you this in the Bible. Right? But unthankfulness leads to unholiness. Unthankfulness leads to unholiness. But, but thankfulness is just not... How can we say this? It's, it's not our default mode. When Jesus heals 10 lepers, how many show up to say thank you? One shows up to even say thank you. you know? uh, it's been, man, more than 19 years uh, <laughs> since we took prayer out of our public schools. Yeah. But think about this. When they took prayer out of public schools, one of the main problems that we had in our public schools was that they chewed gum. That's right. They were chewing gum. How terrible is that? Today, we're taking guns to school. We have school shootings. We have gangs. We have sexually transmitted diseases. We have no respect for authority. What happened? All that we did was took prayer out of schools. You know what we were doing? We were thanking God. We were acknowledging God. We were petitioning God. But we took that out. And we came along and said, hey, you know what? Like 16 billion years ago, it, you were slime in a pool. And there was an electric shock, and you came to life. And you were swimming around in that pool, and you grew a tail and legs, and then you jumped out. And you got hairy and you climbed a tree and ate a banana. And then one day you got a briefcase and went to work. <laughs> How many realize if there's no God, anything is permissible? Anything is permissible. Is it any wonder we're, we're, we're in the mess that we're in? But thankfulness brings with it humility. Right? Thankfulness is one of the greatest mental health agents on planet Earth. And thankfulness softens your heart towards God. Thankfulness will soften your heart towards God. This is the will of God. In everything, give thanks. Let me say this. Thankful people are happy people. 
right? Research shows that thankful people experience fewer aches and pains and enjoy life more. Thankful people, right? And again, it, it shouldn't just be a day for a Christian. Every day ought to be Thanksgiving today, day, every single day, right? And when there's a lack of Thanksgiving, it produces a sense of entitlement, right? Which breeds jealousy, covetousness, anger, hatred. You don't enjoy what you have and end up complaining about everything that's going on around you, right? Now, <laughs> you don't need to feel thankful to begin to be thankful. Again, it's not thanks feeling, it is thanksgiving, right? And we're to offer the sacrifice of praise that is the fruit of our lips, giving thanks to his name. Thanksgiving, thankful heart, has very little to do with your circumstances and everything to do with your heart. If you have $10 billion and you are not thankful, you're poor. But if you have very little and you're thankful, you're rich. And the Bible says this, give thanks to the Lord for he is good. Not because you feel like it, not because you're good, but because he's good. He's good. In Psalms 100, it says, enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Do you know, it is just protocol. If you're, going to, if you're going to meet with God, to start with some thanksgiving. If you were going to go and see President Biden, before you went in, they would sit down with you and they would tell you, now, you can do this and you can do that. You cannot do this and do not do that. They're going to tell you. They're going to give you protocol for going in and talking to the president. Well, God says protocol for coming into my presence, enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. And by the way, thanksgiving gives way to praise. They come together. Thanksgiving brings praise. In the Talmud, which is the central text for rabbinical Judaism, it says this, if you enjoy something, if you just enjoy something and aren't thankful, it's as if you stole it. If you enjoy something and you're not thankful for it, you don't speak a blessing. It's as, it's as if you stole it. Uh, Rick Renner, who, who most of you know, he's been literally coming to this church for 36 years. Now, he's been a missionary in Russia now over 30 years. And Rick is a Greek scholar. And for at least 15 years, now, he's been working on a translation of the New Testament, right? He calls it an expanded paraphrase. But I've got a couple of, the, of uh, scriptures that he's translated that I'd, I'd like to give you. Right? 2 Timothy 3, verse 2, he translates, Although they were once thankful and appreciative, people will become void of gratitude and generally unappreciative of everything in the last days. As a result, impurity will seep into society. Because of unthankfulness, what seeps into society? Impurity. Speaking of sexual impurity. How many of you have seen that happening around here? Unthankfulness and what's seeping into our society? Impurity. And cause 
it to become the society unholy, impure, ill-mannered, unclean, indecent, coarse, vulgar, offensive, crude, lewd, and rude, behaving and carrying on a way that God would never sanction. It may seem strange, but that thankful heart turns your heart towards God. That thankful heart keeps your heart from becoming impure. A thankful heart. As John Templeson said, if you had a billion dollars and you were ungrateful, you're poor. But if you have very little and you're grateful, they said you're truly, truly rich. So my question is, how often do you give thanks? It's not a natural thing. It's not our default mode to be thankful. It says every time, listen to the Apostle Paul. This is uh, 2 Thessalonians 2.13, Rick Renner's expanded translation. Every time we think about you, thanksgiving floods out of our hearts. We are so overwhelmed with thanksgiving that we actually feel obligated to stop whatever we're doing and take a few minutes to express to God how much we appreciate you. He said, man, we are so thankful that we actually, whatever we're doing, we just stop. And I think at least once every day, we ought to have that. Well, we just stop what we're doing and we just say, God, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Lord, that I have a place to live. Thank you. I have clothes to wear. Thank you. I have food to eat. Thank you, God, for good relationships. And I thank you, God, that I am forgiven that the blood of Jesus cleanses me from all unrighteousness. I thank you, God, that I'm on my way to heaven. And I thank you, God, that I've been taken out of the kingdom of darkness and put into the kingdom of the son of your love and that you qualify me for every blessing that heaven has. Now, if you just begin to be thankful, it turns your heart towards God. It magnifies God. You begin to say, wow, God really does love me. God really has provided for me. I can believe God. I can trust God. What's happening? It's coming out of a thankful heart. It magnifies him to us. God hasn't changed, but our heart changes. In Matthew chapter 21, verse 12, it says this. Then Jesus went to the temple of God and drove out all those who bought and sold in the temple and overturned the tables of the money changers and the seats of those who drove, who uh, sold doves. Now, now, by the way, one of the other gospels tells us that he actually made a whip. How long does it take to make a whip? But he made a whip. You say, well, w- w- what does that mean? That means this was just not some reaction, all right? Something just flying off the, the cuff. Jesus thought about this, right? But he was mad. He was mad about what was going on. And, and sometimes as Christians, we just think, well, I just shouldn't be mad about anything. No, we should be mad about ungodliness, right? We should be, we should be mad about some of the things that are taking place in our culture, in our city. And then he said to them, it's written, my house should be called a house of prayer, but you've made it a den of thieves. Then the blind and the lame came to him in the temple and he healed them. But when the chief priests and the scribes saw the wonderful things that he did and the children crying out in the temple saying, Hosanna to the son of David, they were indignant. And they said to him, do you hear what they're saying? And Jesus said to them, yes, have you never read? 
out of the mouth of babes and nursing infants, you have perfected praise. Now, Jesus is actually quoting the Old Testament from Psalms chapter 8, which says this, out of the mouth of babes and nursing infants, you ordained strength because of your enemies that you may silence the enemy and the avenger. So here's what Jesus is saying. When you begin to praise God, when you begin to be thankful to God, all right, it brings spiritual strength to you and it silences the devil, the enemy and the avenger, right? The devil can't stand it, right? When you begin to worship, when you begin to praise, when you begin to be thankful. Now, I thought about this. I thought, you know, one of the worst times for an atheist has to be when they're thankful and there's nobody to give thanksgiving to. And hopefully we, we have that. We are, we're thankful to God. John Wesley, who started the Methodist denomination, said this, shout to testify your faith in God's promise and be thankful for this glorious mercy to encourage ourselves and brethren and to strike terror into your enemies. Now, your enemies are not people. Your people are Satan and demon power. Your enemies are Satan and demon power. And John Wesley said, man, when you begin to be thankful to God, it literally strikes terror into the enemy's heart. In 2 Chronicles chapter 20, we find Jehoshaphat gets word that three armies are planning a sneak attack, and they are 24 hours away, not even 24 hours away. He gets the people together. They pray. They seek God. And it says in verse 20, so they arose early in the morning and went out into the wilderness of Tekoa. And as they went out, Jehoshaphat stood and said, Hear me, O Judah, and you inhabitants of Jerusalem. Believe the Lord your God, and you will be established. It's true with you and me. Believe God, you'll be established. Believe his prophets, and you'll prosper. And when he had consulted with the people, he appointed those who should sing to the Lord and who should praise the beauty of holiness as they went out before the army. So instead of putting the green beret or the Navy SEALs, out in front, he puts the choir in front. And they praise the Lord. And they're saying, for, praise the Lord for his mercy endures forever. And it's literally his mercy. It's said, It's his covenant love. It's the same covenant love that he has for you. And it endures forever. And so when that happens, the Bible says, as they begin to sing, the Lord sent ambushes against the people of Ammon, Moab, and Mount Seir, who had come against Judah, and they were defeated. They were defeated. Now, again, your enemies and my enemies, they're not people, but the same principle is true. When we begin to be thankful, when we begin to praise the Lord, God moves on our behalf. Uh, in Mark chapter 6, there's a couple more things I, I want to say as we're closing. Jesus has been speaking to a multitude, thousands of people. And he said, how much food do you have? And they didn't have a lot. Seven loaves and a couple fish. So he commanded the multitude to sit on the ground. And when he had taken the seven loaves, he gave thanks and he broke them and gave them to the disciples. And they set them before the multitude and the whole multitude eats. There's thousands of people. So the food literally is multiplied. 
But what I want you to notice is that Jesus gave thanks. He gave thanks for the food. In uh, 1 Timothy chapter 4, it, it begins here, I'm going to read, where it's talking about false doctrine, forbidding to marry, and commanding to abstain from food, which God created to be received with thanksgiving by those who believe and know the truth. For every creature of God is good, and nothing is to be refused as if it is received with thanksgiving. For it is sanctified. Now, how many of you know some of your food could be full of pesticides and all sorts of GMOs and all kinds? How many of you know your food can be full of junk? Right? But when you give thanks, right, it's sanctified. Right? It is set apart for a special use to enable you to be healthy and serve God. When you give thanks, right? When you give thanks, it, it's amazing how many people don't even give thanks when they have something to eat. But when you do, it's, it, it literally, it sets it apart right? to serve, for, for your body to serve God. In uh, Isaiah 61, it says this, the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness or depression. It says, if you will put on the garment of praise, begin to praise God, begin to be thankful to God. Right? It says that depression will have to leave. Now, I'm going to say something, and, and I'm not going to take the time to prove it right now. Right? Somebody said, well, I, 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 it, it's, it's my chemical imbalance. Right? And, and I don't, don't you have a chemical imbalance? Right? But you're not depressed because you have a chemical imbalance. You have a chemical imbalance because you think wrong. Right? You think wrong. Right? I remember hearing, uh, oh, oh, man, it was a decade ago, that they had tabulated over a thousand different secretions that your brain secretes based on what you think. I mean, even think about Pablo's dogs. I mean, he just rang a bell, and before anything was going on, those dogs, were they were secreting, right? They're thinking the food's coming, right? And their bodies begin to secrete, right? You think wrong, right? You think wrong, and your body is secreting things that are wrong, right? I personally believe it's not that we have a chemical imbalance and think wrong. We think wrong and therefore have that chemical imbalance, um, in Isaiah 26, in verse 3, God said, I will keep him in perfect peace, whose mind, whose meditation, whose deep thoughts are stayed on me. You say, well, that verse isn't for me. No, it's for you. It's for you. Let me close with uh, one last verse. The prophet Habakkuk. Wouldn't that be a terrible name? Chapers, I felt sorry for this guy. He said, though the fig tree does not blossom and there's no fruit on the vines, though the yield of the olive should fail and the fields produce no food, though the flock should be cut off from the fold and there be no cattle in the stall, yet I will rejoice in the Lord and I will rejoice in the God of my salvation. The Lord is my strength 
He makes my feet like hind's feet, and he makes me to walk on my high places. He said, it doesn't matter what's going on on the outside. He said, he's worthy. I'm going to thank him. I'm going to praise him, and he's going to take care of me. Not according to what's going on on the outside, but the Bible says according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus. Say, would you bow your heads for just a moment? Again, I, I know there's, there's people here in about every spiritual condition, people that have lived for God for decades. Other people, you have no idea where you stand with God. If I said to you, are, are you a Christian? You'd say, I'm trying to be a Christian. I, I really hope I am. If I said, are you going to go to heaven? Well, I hope so, and I'll find out when I die. The Apostle Paul wrote and said this. He says, I have written these things to you that you may know that you have everlasting life. See, you're not supposed to die and find out if you make it to heaven. You're supposed to know. Know that you're forgiven. Know that you're right with God. Know that you're on your way to heaven. Uh, An angel appears to a man named Cornelius and said to Cornelius, he said, send men and get Simon Peter, and he will tell you words by which you and all your house will be saved. He's going to tell you what? Words. Words. The, 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 the truth about what Jesus did for you in his death, burial, and resurrection, that his blood paid for your sin. See, if you believe that and you will give him your heart and life, See, the Bible says to as many as receive him, not just know about him, but receive him. To them, he gives the right to be the children of God. So we're going to pray a prayer. And if you will pray this prayer from your heart, if you're not right with God, when we say amen, you are going to be right with God. If you would, if you can, would you take hands with somebody that's near you? And if you're online, I'd like you to do the same. And we're going to pray this prayer together out loud. I want you to pray this prayer from your heart, but make these words your own. Just say, oh God, I believe Jesus died on the cross. I believe his blood paid for my sins. And I believe he rose again. Victorious over death, sin, and the devil. And I give him all of my heart in all of my life. I hold nothing back. I receive Jesus as my king. And I turn my back on my old life. I'm not going to live for myself. I'm going to live for Jesus. I thank you that you've heard my prayer. My past is gone. And I'm a part of your kingdom. Today and forever. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening. We hope you've been encouraged by this message. For more information, if you're in need of prayer or just want to connect with the community, go to reslife.org, follow us on social media, or email us anytime at reslife at reslife.org. We hope you have a blessed day, and we will see you again soon.